Good morning. My name is John Matthews. Thank you for the introduction, Kyle. And uh, we are in Romans 8, excuse me, Romans 12, the first eight verses of Romans 12. If you will, go ahead and turn there. I want you to follow with me as I read, and I'm going to start back at the first verse because everything hangs together that we're going to talk about this morning from verse 1 through verse 8. Um, how many of you understand that God is at work here at Alberta Baptist Church? You see it? You see it? You, you understand that He's there? Um, we are in His processes right now in once again, another unique way. We have been through many, many things over our years, and uh, yet again, this year's different, and God is working with us. And if you want to see Him at work, hang with me, because that's what we're going to be talking about, is God working through us. That's what I want to do. These eight verses start immediately with the mercies of God. They're working, or they, they are coming to us. We end these eight verses at the very end of the eighth verse with the mercies of God flowing through us. And so I want to kind of work our way there by reviewing what Kyle and Jared have shared with us over these last four weeks. They, it, four weeks, five verses, right? Um, and I, I want to kind of and I'm not going to ask you to stand because I'm going to wander my way through this a little bit. I'm not going to you know, just read it straight word for word. So I'm going to interrupt myself. So stay with me, but I'll try to call out the verses as I change from one to the next. So starting in verse one, I appeal to you. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I'm going to stop right there. The mercies of God overwhelm us. Not just our physical needs, air, water, food. And, and, and yes, I know you have some undesirable circumstances in your life. That's part of our lot in this world to, for things not to always suit us. But we are overwhelmed with not only the physical mercies, but the mercies of friendship and you know, Christian love and grace and, and Christ died on the cross. We are in the kingdom of God already if you're a believer. We are absolutely in an ocean of mercy. And that's the context of this entire passage is we are awash in the mercies of God. So, by the mercies of God, Paul says... To present your bodies a living sacrifice. And Jared broke this down for us the first week. You are a living sacrifice. And, and I, we're going to find out in these last three verses, which are my assignment this morning, that um, you know, how being a living sacrifice can actually look. All right? Um, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. And we know that that could just as well be translated your reasonable service or your logical service. Because of the mercies of God, then we are a living sacrifice, and it's only reasonable that we should be so. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Um, if we keep doing what we've been doing, 
If we keep thinking what we've been thinking, we're going to keep getting what we've been getting. And so he is challenging us to grow in maturity, to transform our minds as we grow in the Lord. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's imploring you. He is exhorting you to become a whole different kind of person in your Christian maturity. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And Jared, I think, two weeks ago talked to us about humility and how that looks on us uh, as we think with sober judgment or rational judgment in, in the humility according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Verse 4, Kyle, last week, talked to us about the, the image that we have, the graphic that we have that helps us understand what goes on in the church. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Verse 5, so that we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And so there's our graphic, there's our image. It's familiar. With, Paul uses this in another place in Scripture just as well. Um, as your body has all these you know, fingers and toes and hands and feet and, and eyes and livers and all the different things that make a body work that are so diverse, and they come together to make a body have one purpose and one goal as it pushes through life. So is the church. Is that same organism. We are so different, so diverse, different in age, different in, in gender, different in scope of what, we, what appeals to us. God the same way uses that to be a uniform body working on his behalf and to give glory back to him. So verse 6 through 8 is our topic this morning. I've given context, and I will refer back into this context because it hangs together so tightly. Verses 6 through 8. Verse 6, having gifts, and the assumption here is that we all have gifting that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. And what I want you to see is the pattern as he speaks about these gifts and he calls out a gift and says how it's to be done. Early on, he's, you see the humility. If you're going to be a prophet, you know, that, and that's telling the Word of God, that's sort of what I'm doing this morning. It's what Jared and Kyle do on Sunday mornings with us now. If, prophesy in humility and simply prophesy. Uh, if in service, humbly serving, one who teaches, teaching, the one who exhorts, exhortation, see that just sort of, you know, just do it with sincerity, do it with humility. And now Paul begins to get excited. He begins to think about the mercies and understanding that sometimes enthusiasm is required and gusto is required Exhort, one who exhorts exhortation, um, the one who contributes, he says, with generosity, not just 
you know, a level of contribution, but with generosity, what you do, do well. The one who leads with zeal, that word means passion. If you lead, do it with zeal. Who wants to follow a dispassionate leader? So lead with passion. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. If you're going to serve, do it cheerfully. And so this overflow, this spilling over of these, the, these mercies of God is how he begins to describe these things. Um, back to the humility part. The, um, laying aside your pride is necessary if all we do with that is, is, is have low self-esteem, if, if we have a low opinion of ourselves, that's not what he's asking for. It's, it's an element. We, we do need to set aside our pride and think of ourselves lowly, but that doesn't get us anywhere. That is paralyzing and crippling just to have low self-esteem. We know that from, you know, psychology. But uh, knowing that you are gifted by Christ, that you are under the mercies of Christ, then through Christ, you can do a lot more than the proud you could ever do. And so it's low self-esteem coupled with a high regard for Christ and faith in Christ, and that's what brings us into being able to serve Him as we should serve Him. And in so doing, we elevate Christ's reputation in the earth. We don't change His character. He's always high. He's always mighty. He's always lifted up. But His reputation in the earth is not so good because people look at us. But as we serve in His power with His giftings, we are helping someone and being watched by many people. And so we're elevating Christ's reputation in the earth. That is part of what gifting does through us. It's not just the helping, it's also the, the, the optics. So that means the best way to use your spiritual gifts is to forget about yourself as your joy in Christ spills over in love towards other people. Verse 8b, where it talks about contributing and uh, doing it with generosity, leading with zeal, and doing the acts of mercy with cheerfulness, there is that overflowing element. Um, when you don't think too highly of yourself, you forget about yourself, and you're filled with love toward Christ, and your ministry has that character of overflow. You know what overflow is? Did you, uh, when you were a kid, did your mom ever leave you in the bathtub while it was filling up? <laughs> uh, and maybe she forgot to come back in soon enough and things began. That's a big deal. When the tub overflows, mom comes back in the room and there's panic and there's a mess. Overflowing, and there is an element of childish enthusiasm in our overflow if we are doing it in God's spirit. And so think of your gifting and your service in that way as overflowing out of joy, overflowing out of zeal, out of passion. And don't serve begrudgingly. There was a moment when uh, Kyle and Jared asked me to do this this morning about a month ago. I've had a long time to think about this. 
uh, there was a moment where I said, that's not my gift. I'm not a preacher. I've taught for a lot of years, but I, I'm not, and, and I had to repent of that, uh, understanding more about gifts. And I was glad to do it. But on the way here this morning, I, I, I had this, this hypocritical moment as I'm thinking, you know, I have worked hard on speaking this morning, and to some degree, it was a chore. And so, you know, and, I, and I, I, so I'm being hypocritical if I tell you not to do this begrudgingly. And the revelation that I've had, and I've talked to a couple of folks over here on this front row, and, and, and what we sort of agree is if I'm setting up chairs on Saturday night for the banquet on Sunday, I don't necessarily like the setting up the chairs. That may not be the fun, but when you get to the banquet and you're having the fellowship and you are enjoying the, the event, the, the actual service, then that's where the joy comes, I think, more often. It's not always fun to prepare, but it's always fun if you are gifted in this way and if you're being obedient joyfully, then it comes. I uh, tried to think back. Have I ever preached a sermon before? And I had to go way back, 52 years 1968, it was youth week at Alberta Baptist Church, and uh, we had youth choir, we had youth ushers, and had a youth pastor, and it was me, and I got up before the group. That, it was a Sunday night. They didn't trust us with Sunday morning, but they gave us a Sunday night, and uh, my sermon was really, really bad, but it was really, really short, so I'm trying to reverse the trend Begrudging, that's where I was, begrudging. If you're going to serve me in some way, if you're doing it begrudgingly, don't bother. I don't want to put you out. I don't want you to, 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 to serve me out of duty. And, and hopefully the joy in Christ elevates our service in, in that way. If you serve me with joy, I am blessed, you are blessed, and Christ is magnified. And so we give God's Spirit a chance to work in us. So if you and I serve joyfully, if we serve with zeal, if we serve with generosity, then we are effectively giving help to someone, which is one of the objectives of our service is giving help. That's a great indication that the Holy Spirit is there and that He's at work in you and there's a spiritual gift in that, and it's not a task or a chore, but it becomes a delight. Forgetting about yourself, being in love with Jesus, serving people, and then discovering your gifts as you serve. I don't know how many of you have taken a spiritual gift inventory. I have taken several and given some. And one of the things that I want to convey as we go forward is that and there's nothing wrong with taking a spiritual gift inventory, but you end up with a nice little bar graph where I'm good at this and a little bit less good at that, and I'm not so good at these other things. Don't let the bar graph make you compartmentalize the gifts. It's not that neat. It's, it's different from that. All right. Um, examples. Oh, okay. Three points. I've put a page away too soon. Uh, three points. What I want to do is look first at the relationship among the gifts themselves. 
and talk about how they interrelate with each other. Secondly, I want to look at the relationship between gifts and ordinary Christian virtues. And then I want to thirdly look at how these gifts might look here at Alberta Baptist Church. Some, some things already in place, some things that might be in place in time. So these gifts, the first one, uh, point number one, is the relationship among the gifts. Uh, points takeaway is that they overlap. They interrelate to each other. They, 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 that one gift springs off of another gift, and so you can't just say, well, I have the gift of teaching, and it doesn't lead or connect to anything else. Or I have the gift of, of, um, of giving, it doesn't connect to anything else. Well, if you're giving, you have to do it with intentionality and purpose towards something. And so there, there's interrelationships. Examples, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, Paul says the one who prophesies speaks to people in their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Well, encouragement there is uh, the same word as our exhortation. So prophecy and exhortation, he's coupling in that verse where in our Romans 12 pack, passage, uh, they're separate. So, you know, he's, they're coming together and being separate as the occasion uh, calls for. Titus 1.9, he says that the elders should exhort in sound teaching. Well, there's two gifts put together, exhorting in teaching, which uh, could be separated in other occasions. Um, contributing, gen uh, it just in your own mind, if you think about contributing how can you contribute without showing mercy? How can you serve? How does service separate out from any of these other gifts? Every one of these gifts is a service gift. And so that, that they interlock, they interconnect. Um, and further evidence of that is Paul gives three different gifts or three different lists of gifts in Scripture. Uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Ephesians 4, and then Peter also has a gift in 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, and none of, the, none of the lists are the same. You would think if Paul was organized that he would have you know, kept notes so that as he wrote different letters, he would have had the same list of gifts. And I think the point is that he's giving examples rather than giving an absolute list. I suspect there are gifts that aren't even listed in Scripture, but I also suspect that um, anyway, our, our, the, the, the gifts are, that, that's the point, is that they uh, practice the gifts so that you see what, how they are for you. Your gifting is unique. I don't think that any two in this room have the same giftings. I don't think any two Christians that ever live have exactly the same personality, the same package of gifts in the same proportions, and they are proportional. Some people have gifts out the roof, where some people have them that aren't nearly as obvious. But we're all that different, we're all that individual. So instead of trying to figure out the definitions and the boundaries of the gifts, Go back to verse 1 and think about the mercy that inspires the gifts. That, that is our, our context. That is where we start. Then go to verse 3 and surrender your pride and look away with joy to the goodness of Christ. 
And then begin to let joy overflow in all the ways that you can. And the more joyful you are in performing a task in the name of Christ, and the more fruitful you are in performing that task, the more likely it is that that's where you're gifted. As you see people helped, that's the fruitfulness, and that is where your giftings, and you need to be aware of your giftings, but you don't need to be limited by your awareness of them. Point number two, the relationship between the gifts and ordinary Christian virtue. The gift of service, and, and, and the point is that, 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 that they overlap with each other. Your giftings and ordinary Christian virtues are the same things as just your giftings is what you're better at because of the, the way the Holy Spirit works inside of you. Take the gift of service. In verse 7 it says, if our service in our serving uh, the Greek word for service is the same word that gets translated in other places as ministry. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says that the pastors are supposed to equip saints for the work of the ministry or for service. So um, everybody is called into Christian service. All of us are called that way. So all Christians are supposed to be servers. Take the gift of doing mercy Jesus in uh, Matthew 5 said, blessed are the merciful. He expects his disciples to be merciful. Um, there's a, uh, speaking of mercy, there's a, a scary parable in Matthew chapter 18. If you recall, there's uh, a slave, a servant who is in debt to the king. A million dollars for round numbers, just a, an enormous debt that he could never work off. The king calls him to account and says, pay up or you're going to prison. And, and the man begs, said, please don't send me to prison. I have a family to take care of. I have obligations other than this to meet. All right, who is the, the servant? That's me. That's you in this parable. Who's the king? You can say God, okay? <laughs> God is the king. And so this applies to all of us. Um, and, and the king, rather than saying, okay, I'll give you another year, he says, okay, I will give you mercy. You're off. You don't owe me anything. The guy joyfully goes out in the street, finds a guy that owes him a couple of thousand dollars and grabs him by the throat and begins to choke him. Pay me now. What did the king say? Matthew 18, 33. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant? There's our mercy piece again, right? There's our context. As I had mercy on you, and in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers until he paid all that he owed. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. So is mercy a spiritual gift, or is it an ordinary Christian virtue? Yes, it is. Mercy is required from all of us. Um, God loves a cheerful giver. That's a, that, that, that is an instruction for all of us. Our giving is to be cheerful. Yet some people are gifted in giving. They're uh, in Mark 21 and told again in Luke, uh, excuse me, Mark 12 and Luke 21. Jesus and the disciples are hanging around at the gate of the temple, and uh, 
historians tell us that there at the gate was the, 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 the tub, the, the metallic tub that people dropped their coins into and the wealthy people would throw in and make a lot of noise. And then there's a widow, poor woman came by and did a really dumb thing. She put all she had in there. And Jesus congratulated her, not to, to the disciples. He didn't bother her at all. She gave all she had. Do you think that might look like the gift of, of, of giving? That there might have been some generosity involved in that? And he brags on that for the disciples, for all of us. Yet some people are given the gift to give more. And you may have the gift of giving and be poor. You may have the gift of giving and be rich. God doesn't need your millions or your thousands. He needs your obedience. He calls for your obedience. The gift of exhortation. In Hebrews 3.13, he tells us to exhort one another every day. Yet there's a gifting that is, is an extreme version of that, but we are to exhort each other. That's what we do. That's part of what we do. Service, ministry, contributing, God expects these things in some measure from all believers. So we must conclude this. Some of the virtues come more joyfully and are more fruitful for some than for others. And when this happens, we can call it a spiritual gift. Serving, doing mercy, teaching. The Holy Spirit has shaped your heart in ways that are unique to you. And as you go out in service, you will find the things that give you the most joy and give somebody else the most help. And you will recognize God at work in you in that way. Fruitfulness. Here's some examples of um, how do you know you have a gift? If you think you have the gift of exhortation, but no one is helped by your words, you probably don't. The gift of guilting is not from God's Holy Spirit. If you think you have the gift of teaching, but no one is being transformed towards the ways of God, you probably don't. Lecturing is not a gift of God's Spirit. Teaching yields life change. If you think you have the gift of service, but your attempts make others feel insulted, you probably don't. Condescension is not a gift of God's Spirit. Neither are, the, are there any gifts such as suspicion or criticism or gossip or snide remarks. And some grandmothers and mothers out there probably wish you had the gift of casting out tattoos and body piercings. But God does not grant those things as spiritual gifts. So we use God's word to determine that. Here's your takeaway. If you're taking notes, write this one down. If you're not taking notes, write this one down. Think the way to, to seek these gifts is to pray earnestly that God would make you joyful and fruitful in every form of Christian love. The way to seek these gifts is to pray earnestly that God would make you joyful and fruitful in every form of Christian love. So you can pray a prayer like this. Lord, please grant me the gift of mercy. Make, my, make me delight more and more in acts of mercy. Make me more and more fruitful in seeing others come to Christ as I show them mercy. Looking inward is what a nursing home does. Looking outward is what churches do. We need teachers 
in this church as we go into the next year and life group leaders that will uh, not just focus inward, but they will focus their ministries outward away from the walls of the church. Point number three, how would these gifts or how do these gifts look at Alberta Baptist Church? Let's take them all the way down the list. Prophecy, verse 6b, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, um, prophecy, as I said earlier, is simply speaking forth the word of God. In the Old Testament, it was related to foretelling the future, but that is a very minor, minor part of that. How does that look at Alberta Baptist? Kyle and Jared had no idea a few months ago that they would be the pastors, the, the preachers at Alberta Baptist Church. But they saw great value, and I was in on conversations on this uh, to some degree. I, I, I was able to hear what they had to say. They saw value in speaking to us as family rather than inviting somebody in here with a prepared sermon to speak to us as a stranger. And I really appreciate that. I think that's evidence of the gift that God has given you guys. It, 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 thank you for being responsive to that call of God when nobody necessarily expected it of you, but it has worked out beautifully. Thank you for that. To each of you, you prophesy as you go home, as you work, as you go to school, as you talk to children, to elderly parents, to the people that you work with, you get to share the Word of God with them. That's how prophecy looks on Alberta Baptist Church. Service. Um, I think Paul has in mind here, as he uses the word service, probably in the context of things that are lowly, a little bit menial, uh, meeting the ordinary needs of people. Uh, some people are so gifted in that way. In fact, I think maybe the majority of Christians are low-key, but yet gifted and working in their gifts. We've seen uh, people work in the nursery and other places just serving, not drawing any attention to themselves. But that's how that looks at Alberta Baptist Church. And it's been going on for all these years. And I pray that it will continue to go on throughout the future. Teaching. Pray that everyone who learns anything about God's Word will teach it to somebody else. A child can teach what they learn in Sunday school. It is not a hard thing to do in ordinary life. You do it all the time. You're sharing something, telling somebody how to use their phone or, or how to use a computer. You do it with Scripture the same way. It's, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's not a big deal. It's something that happens in our lives. I pray that all leadership in Alberta would use teaching as we think about the future. Let's tie God's Word in as we think about what we're going to do next rather than using tradition or making somebody happy. Rather than pleasing insiders, we need to figure out how we please outsiders and bring them in to be insiders. Exhorting. Uh, Paul does a uh, an interesting thing. As an apostle, he had the right to command somebody to do something. And in the little book of Philemon, he, uh, Onesimus the slave has run away from his master and hooked up with Paul to be a disciple of Paul's. And in a little while, Paul says, you got to go back to your master. We, we don't steal, you know, slaves from masters. We, uh, and 
the discussion of whether slavery is right or not is not even a part of the conversation. And he trusts Onesimus to take the letter back. And what he says to um, Philemon, the slave owner, he says, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal. The word there is exhort. I prefer to convince you by who you are and what you've received from Christ rather than to command you anything. I hope that here at Alberta Baptist Church, our leadership looks that way. That it is based on the Bible, it is based on love, it is based on the mercies of Christ rather than anybody's right to command anybody to do anything. Persuade each other by exhorting what we know from the Word of God. In contributing, um, I don't think anybody but God knows who's got the gift of contributing. He's the one that's keeping the books, and He's the one that will reward at the right time and the right place. He is the one who will make all things known. And again, rich or poor, you can still have the gift of contributing as you take great joy in giving beyond your means. You know, all of us are to give regularly and proportionately, but some of us will give beyond what is reasonable. We will give as we are gifted. And God rewards for being obedient. One who leads, leads with zeal. Who wants to follow a dispassionate leader? I don't. Lead with passion. Uh, may the Lord spare us from leaders in this church, be they deacons, teachers, staff, anybody else who are coasting or who are lazy and who don't appreciate the mercies of Christ. We need to lead based on the mercy that we've been given. And finally, doing mercy, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. May the Lord make us all merciful. May we be mercy-dependent and mercy-giving because of Christ's mercy. And remember, I told you that we begin this in the mercies of God, receiving the mercies of God, and we end this with the mercies of God flowing through us. Let's pray. Lord, for your great name's sake and for good of our church, for the good of your kingdom, for the good of Alberta City, for the good of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and the world, Father, I pray that you would use us in your service, that you would make us not only aware of our giftings, but you would spur us on, and that we would spur one another on to operate in the mercies of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.